Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, Scott said we're going to unpack the word healing. Uh, Looking at questions such as, uh, what is healing? Uh, Does God still heal today? What about my loved one that wasn't healed? These are some of the questions that we're going to address. And as we do that, I'd like to dive right into uh, Mark chapter 2. So if you have your device, uh, go to Mark chapter 2 on your device. If you have a Bible, uh, uh, open up to Mark chapter 2. We'll start at verse 1. We welcome those who are with us online. Please feel free to uh, chat along uh, with us as we go through this message. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So starting Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, probably with their hands. They dug up the roof, if you will. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, just ponder that for a second, when Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. Let me go over that again. Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their minds? No, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and walk home. Go home. He got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Well, this morning, as we dive into this scripture to learn more about healing, I'm going to present to you three ideas, three points. First of all, is rather simple. The first one, God is focused on the eternal. God is focused on the eternal. Verse 5 tells us, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Let me ask you a question. Let's get a little real this morning as we share here in the auditorium or online through the chat. 
Do you see what Jesus sees? Let me ask you that. Do you see what Jesus sees? Do you have the ability, like Jesus did, to, to see under that which is superficial, to not see the outward, but to see what's beneath, to see what's covered, to see what's hidden, to see what's deeper in the meaning of life, in the lives of others? In essence, can you, can you look deeper into the lives of people at a deeper level to connect with them, to see what Jesus sees? Well, when Jesus saw the man, what was his first response? Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now, now, why did he do that? Is it because Jesus doesn't care about the fact that the man was paralyzed? Jesus isn't concerned that he's, that he's crippled and can't walk? Is, is that the reason why? No, that's not the case. See, what Jesus is doing, he's providing us an order of priority. And we need to grab onto that in our, in our spiritual walk and in our spiritual life as we consider the things of Christ. We need to understand his priority. You see, Jesus' priority is spiritual first or eternal first, physical second. Eternal first, physical second. I often speak to my patients about we as humans being made up of body, mind, and spirit. And as I talk to my patients um, as a family doctor, we'll talk about how the body influences our mental health and how our mental health influences our physical health and how our spiritual health can influence our physical health. You see, we, are we call it tripartite human beings. There's three parts of us, spirit, mind, and body, and they all influence one another. Well, I was talking to my daughter, Rachel, about this uh, just a few weeks ago as I was sharing with her the content of my message. And she reminded me something that she had learned in, in, in seminary um, in, in a, a course of studies called soul care, caring for the souls of people. And she said, you know, Dad, what I've come to embrace is that we are eternal beings living in physical bodies. <laughs> Understand that. We are eternal beings living in physical bodies. See, these physical bodies, will they last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90, maybe 100 years? But the body will end. But it's the spirit, the eternal spirit, which continues on forever. Matter of fact, whether you're watching me online or whether you're here in the auditorium, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, I am sure that there have been times in your life where your eternal being has been seeking the creator. Maybe you're not a Christian, but, but your eternal being, something within you says there's something without of me. There's something outside of me. There's something beyond me. There's something that created me. There's something that my spirit yearns for. Your spirit, which is eternal, is yearning for relationship with the eternal creator. Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter. We yearn for that which is eternal. We yearn for the creator. Eternal beings living in physical bodies. Now, I see that, I, I juxtapose that to another thought that I've come to understand as a physician caring for patients for over 30, 35 years. All healing ends in death. All healing ends in death. Now, that's a pleasant thought as I talk to you about healing. That's kind of pleasant to think of. All healing ends in death. Well, let me prove it to you. Paralyzed man that Jesus healed, 
Now, is he alive or dead? How about the woman with the issue of blood? Remember about six or eight weeks ago when Kim spoke about the woman with the issue of blood and how she reached out to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus and as she touched his garment, she was healed? Remember that? That woman with the issue of blood? she alive or dead? She's dead. How about the ten lepers that, that Jesus healed? Only one came back to thank Jesus. We know the story. Only one came back to thank him. Question. Are those ten lepers alive or dead? They're dead. How about Lazarus? Dead for three days. Jesus comes to him. Lazarus, come forth. Healed. Back to life. Question. Lazarus, today, alive or dead? He's dead. See, these physical bodies one day end, but our eternal beings pass on and continue eternally. Why? Because God's trying to teach us a priority. Eternal first, physical second. Eternal first, physical second. We need to reach on to that, grasp on to that. And as we do, it'll bring some stability to our life and to our decision making. Eternal first, physical second. But then you ask me, does that, care, does that mean that God doesn't care about my body? Does not God care about my sickness? Does God not care about the fact that my body is, is reeked with pain? That I've been suffering with depression or anxiety or fear or, uh, the majority of my life? Feeling tormented at times? God's not concerned? Well, the answer is, of course not. If we look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion, compassion on them, and he healed their sick. How about Matthew 20, verse 34, when Jesus saw the two blind men at the side of the road? Verse 34, Jesus had compassion. compassion. Jesus sees with eyes of compassion. Remember I said earlier on in my message, I said, do you see what Jesus sees? Do you see with eyes of compassion? Kindness, love, do you see what Jesus sees? And then lastly, in John chapter 11, Jesus is standing at the grave of his good friend, most powerful and the most shortest verse in the Bible. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Compassion, filling his heart. His eyes seeing with compassion, seeing beneath the superficial, seeing down into that which is eternal. Eyes of compassion, weeping for his friend. Eternal first, physical second. Eternal first, physical second. As you walk in your faith journey, and your week ahead, and your weeks ahead, and your months ahead, and your years ahead, as you stand at the crossroads of making decisions in your life, do I go this way or do I that way? Let me give you a bit of advice. At those times in your life, learn to pause, learn to take a breath and think. What will be the internal impact of my decision? What will be the physical impact or the brief impact of my decision? Choose that which is eternal. It will add purpose to your life. It will add wholeness to your life. It will align yourself with the purposes of God. As I thought of this, I was reminded of a cathedral in Milan, Italy. Has anybody been to Milan, Italy? Anybody been to Milan, Italy? Okay, this, this beautiful, there you go. Um, maybe you saw the cathedral, Rosemary. 
uh, this beautiful cathedral in Milan, Italy. At the base of the cathedral, hundreds of years old, hundreds of years old, there's a little plaque in the cornerstone of the cathedral with an inscription in Italian. And if you were to translate the last line of the inscription of this plaque at the cornerstone of the foot of the cathedral, hundreds of years old in Milan, Italy, it would be translated into English as this phrase, only that which is eternal matters. Only that which is eternal matters. You see, eternal first, physical second. Your job, only that which is eternal matters. Your clothes, only that which is eternal matters. Your decisions, only that which is eternal matters. Your relationship, only that which is eternal matters. Your relationship with God, what is eternal? What is eternal? Well, let's not camp out there fully. Let's move on to my second point. And my second point is that Jesus heals the sick. So my first point is that God focuses on the eternal. My second point is that Jesus heals the sick. If you're online, put that in the chat box. Jesus heals the sick. We see that in this scripture. Mark chapter 2. Jesus healed the man of paralysis. But Jesus' healing is always complete. He healed him spiritually and he healed him physically. Jesus' healing is always complete. As I was pondering this, I was reminded of two stories that I'd like to share with you. The first story took place 27 years ago. 27 years ago, my wife Daryl and I were attending my cousin's wedding. It was a beautiful affair, great wedding. Um, after the wedding, you go through the receiving line. After the receiving line, you go to the reception. Well, I had just gone through the receiving line. Other people were going through the receiving line. And uh, I was standing off to the side talking to my family members and some friends, carrying out a little conversation before we were going to take off to the reception. As we were there, I heard a sound. The only way I could share the sound with you is that akin to like, let's say I had three bags of potatoes, 10-pound bags of potatoes, or four 10-pound bags of potatoes in paper sacks. And then all of a sudden, I dropped them. <laughs> was the sound I heard. It kind of startled me. Three seconds later, Grandma! Grandma! I rounded the corner, running to where the yell came from. And there I saw my grandmother, 93 years of age, had evidently caught her heel on the top stair of the step, had fallen down the steps and face-planted into a cement pad at the base of the, of the steps. Grandma had landed on her face. As I looked at her, I saw a little pool of blood with her face, and I ran over to her, and I scooped her up into my arms, and I cradled her in my arms. Now, at this point in time, I had been a physician for about five to seven years. I know life, and I know death. Grandma had died. There was no pulse. There were no respirations. Vital signs were absent. Grandma was going home to be with Jesus. It was very natural to me. It wasn't planned. It was very natural. The words just came out. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Grandma. 93 years. Lord, you've been so good. 93 years you've allowed her to walk on this earth. I thank you for the influence that she had in the life of my father. 
I thank you for the influence that the life that she, she, she had in my life, on my siblings, on my children and my wife, great-grandchildren. Lord, I thank you for all that you've taught me through Grandma, and I give Grandma to you. As she enters your presence, oh God, welcome her and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That was my prayer. Simple. As I looked at Grandma, a funny thing happened. She started to breathe. She started to gasp. She started to wake up. And my mind said, this, this is bizarre. I'm praying that she goes home to be with Jesus. And, and, and God is healing her. Make no mistake about it. Grandma was healed, but Grandma wasn't healed because of my prayers. Grandma was healed in spite of my prayers. I'm sending Grandma home to be with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm going to heal your Grandma, Dave. Don't understand it. 93 years of age, face planted, boom, on a cement pad. I think about that story, and I juxtapose it to a second story. This story is about one of my best friends, someone who I've worked with for 22 years. I consider him a very close friend. My close friend had a little granddaughter. Her name is Samantha. Sweet little girl at three years of age, who my friend's talking to me. We're out at a hockey game. We're out at the Sabres game. I think this is when the Sabres were winning. <laughs> we're, at the, we're at the hockey game, and, and my friend was telling me, you know, little Samantha, she, she kind of starts like walking with a limp. She's kind of limping. I think we're going to take her to the doctor. That's a good idea. Let's get her checked out. Well, they took little Samantha, three years of age, to the doctor, and what did they find? An inoperable brain tumor. A tumor that can't be cured. Maybe it can be controlled with radiation. So little Samantha, three years of age, starts undergoing radiation. Day after day. Side effect after side effect after side effect. Hundreds of people. I'm not exaggerating, friends. Hundreds of people praying for little Samantha. Hundreds. Matter of fact, uh, Gary and Rosemary Asbach, you prayed for little Samantha. I remember. Hundreds. Rosemary's mom praying for little Samantha consistently, day after day after day. You know what happened? Little Samantha died. She went home to be with Jesus. And after all those episodes, and after being a physician, dedicating 12 years of my life to education after high school through college and medical school and residency, after completing uh, the practice of medicine for well over 30, 35 years, after caring for literally a couple thousand patients in our community, I've come to this conclusion. God heals unless he doesn't. God heals unless he doesn't. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that, first of all, spiritually speaking, God heals at any time we ask. What I mean by that is, when I go before God and I say, God, 
I have sin and I need your cleansing. Or as we used to teach our kids when they were little, you know, your badness. Ask God to forgive you of your badness. Now, friends, <laughs> I have badness. You have badness. We all have badness. And when we go before God and say, God, cleanse me of my badness, that spiritual healing is immediate and it's complete. But you're there sometimes where God's healing takes place in different ways. First of all, God's healing can take place supernaturally, like it did with grandma, or like it did with a paralyzed man in this story. Immediate and complete. Sometimes God's healing takes place at the hands of physicians, nurses, medics, EMTs, healthcare workers, counselors, who align themselves with the natural healing process which God has placed within our bodies to create an environment where the natural healing processes that God placed within us come forward and bring forth health. Prescription of medications. Surgery. I'll even say vaccines. See, we align, we, as physicians and healthcare workers, we align ourselves to the natural healing process within the body to bring about healing by the way God created us. And then sometimes healing takes place in another way. It takes place at the time of death. Because at the time of death, we as Christians know complete healing. Eternal spirits yearning for an eternal God Moving from this life to the next, eternally, with God, new body. No pain, no sickness, no anxiety, no depression, no fear, no OCD. Fully whole with God in eternity. See, it's so important that we remember this because the priority is that it's eternal first, physical second. Eternal first, physical second. Lock into that priority. At any time we choose, we can ask for God's spiritual healing immediately. God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, bring me in a right relationship with you. Immediate, takes place. At other times, physical healing takes place supernaturally, by the hands of healthcare workers, or at the time of death. And this brings me now to one of the greatest truths that I've latched onto in my spiritual walk. Scott alluded to it last Sunday in his message. It's a truth that if you could hold on to today, it would be so foundational to your faith. If you could, if you could just have this truth, in, truth impregnated into the foundation of your beliefs and allow all your other beliefs to stack upon this truth. When the winds of life, the storms of life buffet you, this truth will hold you solid. And yet it's a truth that's so elusive, it's like taking olive oil and pouring it on a counter and trying to pick up the olive oil with your fingers. It's elusive, you can't get it. It's not like picking up a cookie or cracker. It's elusive, you can't grab it. That's the truth that I speak of, foundational, but elusive. And it boils down to this. God is sovereign and you are not. God is sovereign and you are not. 
God is in control, and you are not. God is on the throne, and you are not. God is sovereign, and you are not. Therefore, at any time you desire spiritual healing, all you need to do is ask, and you can receive it. But when you want a physical healing, ah, that's different. It can occur in different forms, and it occurs in the timing of God. Why? Because God is sovereign, and we are not. So simple. It's so hard to grasp. So hard to accept. So hard to allow it to become foundational into our faith. I've experienced this many times as I sat at the bedside of a dying patient. I've done all that I can do to pray and to intercede on behalf of my patient. Fasted. Prayed. Everything I can do spiritually for their healing. I've done everything I could do medically. Pulled in consultants, surgeons, neurosurgeons, orthopedists neurologists, cardiologists, pulmonologists, whatever I can harness as a team to pull together, to work together on behalf of the patient, to align ourselves as healthcare workers with the natural healing process of God. And yet there are times that I still sit at the bedside of a dying patient after doing all those things. One last thing that I'd like to unpack for us. I've said that God is sovereign and we are not. I've said that God is on the throne and we are not. I've said that God is in control and we are not. I'd like to be honest with you all, transparent, if you will, to those in the auditorium and those online. I like to be in control. I like to be in control. I'm just being honest with you. Now, with that being said, friends, Realize this. I've cared for hundreds, a couple thousand patients. You know what I learned? You like to be in control too. It's not just me. Let's be honest. We all like to be in control. And yet as I embrace this truth of God's sovereignty, I find that it gives me unexplainable peace to know that God is on the throne and not me. And with that being said, it gives me even greater peace. It gives me even greater joy to know that God is on the throne and not you. Can I hear an amen? Okay, let's move on to my third and final point. First point, God is focused on the eternal. Second point, Jesus heals the sick. And third point, God receives the glory and the praise. God receives the glory and the praise. Verse 12, this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. It amazed everyone. Bunny trail. Quick question. If you have been a Christian for six months, raise your hand. Come on, you've been a Christian for six months? Raise your hand. I want to see. Come on, who's raising? No one's been a Christian for six months. Come on, raise your hand. If you've been a Christian, loud and proud, at least six months. At least six months. If you've been a Christian for a year, keep your hand up. Come on, loud and proud. Come on. 
I've been a Christian for a year. Yay! You've been a Christian for five years. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Five years. Five years. Raise your hand. Keep it up. Ten years. Ten years. Who's been a Christian for ten years? Do I hear twenty? Twenty years. If you've been a Christian for twenty years, come on. Keep your hands up. Twenty. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Okay, you ready? You ready? If you've been a Christian for fifty years, two hands. Question. No matter how long you've been a Christian, does Jesus still amaze you? When you see him work in the lives of someone else, does he still amaze you? When you see him heal somebody, does he still amaze you? When you see a move on someone's life and they come to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, does it amaze you? When you see a church that starts from nothing and in a period of a brief year grows to meeting two services on a Sunday morning where lives are being changed and the community is being impacted, does it amaze you? We've never seen anything like this before. That's what they say. That's what they said. Let's personalize it. I've never seen anything like this before. When I see the sunrise, it amazes me. When I see the sunset, it amazes me. When I walk through the woods and I see the beauty of the trees as they change color in the fall, it amazes me. When I look at my wife, 38 years, I'm amazed by the goodness of God. With that being said, let me close as Joy and Zach come to the stage and we have a time of worship. I'd like to close by presenting to you a very important question. I first learned of this question from a theologian named Francis Schaeffer. He wrote a lot in the 1960s or 1970s. I became introduced to his writings when I was in college at Roberts Wesleyan College in the late 70s. Francis Schaeffer coined this phrase that has always stuck with me. It's probably a good thing to write down. How then shall we live? How then shall we live? Whenever you hear the word of God spoken, Whenever the Spirit of God you sense moving on your spirit as his eternal spirit draws your spirit to him, ask the question, how then shall I live? When Scott Lackey comes to the stage next week and he pours his heart out with a message of conviction because it's based on the word of God and the passion of Scott's heart, at the end of his message, ask the question, how then shall I live? How will my life change? How will my choices change? How will my decisions change? How will my relationships change? How will my life change as I focus with eternity, come alongside God's plan, and determine to change my life for him? How then shall we live? Well, with that, let me close with three thoughts very briefly. I've already shared them. First of all, God is focused on the eternal. Therefore, let us focus on the priorities of the eternal. When you have a decision to make, when you have a choice in your relationships, ask the question, how will this impact eternity? 
Make the choice to align yourself with God's priority, priorities of eternal first, physical second. It will catapult you in growth in your spiritual walk. Secondly, let's be reminded that Jesus heals the sick. Therefore, we will embrace the sovereignty of God. New story, as a church, whether you're online or whether you're here this morning, we choose to embrace the sovereignty of God, recognizing that he is in control and we are not. He is on the throne and we are not. It is his plan that we follow. It is not our own. And then thirdly, let us live a life that God receives the glory and praise. Therefore, let us live a life of awareness of God's presence. What he's doing, who he's healing, who he's touching, whose lives he's changing. And let us come alongside God's spirit and work with him and not against him as we seek the eternal first, the physical second. As we live a life of awe of his presence with us.